0: to the Undead Wookiee podcast, episode 29, John Carpenter's The Thing, from 1982. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast, focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres, because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. This is the first episode for us After the Christmas break, I hope you all had a very good Christmas holiday and a wonderful new year. And uh, you may have noticed we've got a new intro theme tune. Um, I quite like it myself. It's all a bit synthy, all a bit 80s, all a bit retro, all a bit Stranger Things. I'm a big fan of all of those type of things, so uh, why not? So, we're talking John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Now, before I introduce my magnificent co-host... Let's check out the trailer. Mayday. Mayday.
1: Can anyone hear me? This is US Station 31. Can you read me? We found something in the ice. We need some help down here. Can anybody hear me? We found something. We found
2: something. We found something.
0: It takes us over, and it has no more enemies, nobody left to kill it, and then it's won.
1: You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things!
0: And we're back, and I am joined once again by the one, the only, Mr. Leighton Winston. How are you, sir? Uh,
1: Merry New Year, and happy new Blu-ray collection. <laughs>
0: yes, because that's what Christmas is all about. How many Blu-rays and DVDs did you get?
1: Yes. <laughs> I, I, had, I, had, I had two. Um, I had a few. <laughs> yeah, I know you. You had a few, yeah. yeah. I had two. I, 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 put, I didn't ask for anything really for Christmas. But then when I was pressed, I said, "No, I, I wouldn't mind this, and I wouldn't mind that." And I had the both of them. So yeah, oh yeah, all good, all good.
0: And then I also went to HMV and bought a shitload more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got as much time as you to watch all of those things. Unfortunately, no. I'd love to, but I, I just don't have the time. Unfortunately. <laughs> but hey ho.
0: So, we're talking, well, two films tonight, aren't we, really? I mean, we're going to have a... Our, our main review, of course, is going to be John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. And then we're going to have a, a yeah. brief discussion about The Last Jedi. Yeah.
1: The Last Jedi, yeah. We're going to do a joint What the Wookiee and His Mate watched, <laughs> And, um <laughs> yeah, you know... I've seen it we saw it both the same night, didn't we? You
0: did yeah, and I went back actually uh, yesterday morning oh uh, did, i was I
1: was going to go on the weekend, but I had a couple of things happen um over the weekend that sort of totally could steal my second my planned second view unfortunately um but um if you've probably got it even fresher in the mind of myself, then I so, got a lot more not, out of it. Like,
0: I got a lot more out of it second time round.
1: Right. Okay. Which uh, okay.
0: which we'll go through. We'll, we'll get to. We'll get to. We'll get to. So I think, let's, right off the bat, when we're talking about John Carpenter's The Thing, I think it's fair to say that we're both fans of this film.
1: I think this is the greatest horror film ever made.
0: Oh, it's up there. Hands down. It's right Hands up down. there, isn't it? It is right yeah. up there.
1: It yeah, is right up there. It's... It, it's it's John Carpenter's best film um others may disagree they may say Halloween which again is not perfect um where everything comes together perfectly um The Exorcist is I know you hate you it's one of your it it's is the greatest film your, of all time one of your favorite films at least well you know to, to your eyes uh, you know <laughs> but um yeah it's um you know, if you are looking at the great horror film, isn't it, you know, the thing, as far as I'm concerned, is that film. I um, it's that film for 101 reasons, of 50 of which we'll try and get through tonight. Yeah. But, um,
0: well, this is the thing, you isn't know, it?
1: It's, um, it is the thing. It is the thing. <laughs> it is.
0: And I was, yeah, I was, yeah. Th- I wonder how many times tonight we'll go, well, the thing is, yes, because we are talking about the, the thing. The thing is.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> The thing came out in
1: 1982, and it just it didn't do too well. No, no. Um, there's a new, the, the number of factions pointed as to why it didn't do well. Um, yeah, there's 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 the two reasons pre- predominantly. One is the two weeks before the film actually came out in 1982, ET was released. Yes, aliens went from being horrible, mean, vicious beings to the best friend you'll ever have in your lifetime.
0: Yes, and having somewhat resemblance to an old person's scrotum.
1: Yes. A well-tan scrotum. Yes, and, you know, that might have had a detrimental effect on this. (laughs) Um, The other factor that I think may have impacted, despite that film being considered a flop, it came out the same day as Blade Runner. It did. Yeah, and... You know, Blade Runner, as we know, wasn't a massive success at the time. Um, no. Found its audience very much like the thing afterwards. Um But what I think personally, and it's it's had a massive retrospective, is the critics panned it at the time. Oh, they they it, really went after it. Absolutely savaged it. absolutely did not get it in any way, shape, or form. They could not see... um <laughs> the beauty of the thing <laughs> the thing, <laughs> of,
0: the thing uh, of it yeah.
1: yes absolutely um you know perhaps our grammar isn't good enough so that we can elaborate more on what we're actually <laughs> trying to coalesce but we're using the thing quite yeah. a lot <laughs> yeah
2: um
1: can i just point one thing out though i am currently doing this tied to my fucking couch <laughs> that's what that's a nod for my mate uh, skin McDo on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um but um yeah you know you, you've gone from cute and cuddly um aliens who can mend a cut in your finger to yeah. <laughs> 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 to um an alien that will turn you into a spider and, spru- and shoot your body onto the ceiling whilst growing tentacles and, and yes. third, fourth, fifth heads, if need be. Yes. Um, you know, it's just... It, it, it It's just a thing. It is, it is a yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean,
0: what's interesting, you're talking about the critics, um, and when I was sort of researching it and looking through some of the stuff, and uh, one of the... I always, have, I always have a quick glance at Roger Ebert. Now, obviously, Roger Ebert, yeah. you know, is an incredible film critic, you know. Um, however, he was always fairly harsh on horror movies. And uh, this is his uh, opening couple lines from his January 1st, 1982 remo- uh, re- review of The Thing. And he writes... The Thing is a great bath bag movie, all right, but is it any good? I found it disappointing for two reasons. The superficial characterizations and the implausible behavior of the scientists. Which, well, <laughs> when you think about it now, when you talk about characterization, it's one of the things that now has become one of the most praised uh, part of the film, is actually the, the level of performance from all of the people involved in this film.
1: Well... You Know, least we forget, this film is all male bar, um, fleeting glances on a television rerun. You know, of um, what's the game show? Um, uh, is it Wheel of Fortune? What, Wheel of Fortune, should we say then, right? what Um, that's the only time we see women uh, on television. I think, ah, the radio, there is radio one, char- a, there's
0: one other woman,
1: is it and, Radio chat, radio Chatter or something? No, it's or?
0: right at the beginning where McCreed, and I love this bit where Girls, oh, the the just, the just, he loses yeah. it and he calls her a cheating bitch, and he pulls. Yeah, the, yeah. do you yeah. know whose voice that is?
1: That is John Carmeter's then wife. Yes, a- Adrian Babo is it? Adrian Babo, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. that's
0: the only other. That's the yeah. only yeah. other woman in it.
1: It's it's almost. Um, Twelve angry men and an alien, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't I, I off the top of my head I don't think it's twelve men per se. But um you know each character, despite you don't know anything about them previously. No, no. You, no. you just you just know that they and then, don't you? Yeah. And how they are reacting to you know, what is totally unknown is completely um unfathomable. Yeah, I almost said the word alien then. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and you're seeing how individuals react to um, what is there around them. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, what's going on. There's a cracking shot of Your your dog's ass in the background <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah,
0: Henry's just come up. My wife's, uh, hang on, wife, I'm just waving goodbye to my wife. She's, uh, she's uh, leaving me for the time being. See you in a bit. ta Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> she said <says> you <that. laughs> Now, I mean, when you look at this, you know, and let's, let's dive into this, you know, okay, I mean, it's directed by John Carpenter, produced by David Foster, Lawrence Torman, uh, the screenplay by Bill uh, Lancaster, based on the book Who Goes There by John W. Campbell Jr. Have you
1: read that? Have I ever read any of the books that we ever talk about? <laughs> I just so, I, I I,
0: One day you're going to go, yes, I
1: have. <laughs> I, I do read. I just don't read. I don't want to sound like a dick when I say this. Do you know older praise? Uh, I'm sorry, older prose. Yes. In as much that the older language. Yes. I I struggle massively reading it. I, I don't know why. Um I understand everything on the page but as I'm reading it I'm yes 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 But board bored, <laughs> you know and I I I make no bones about it I really do it's like when I got like a, I got like a bunch of classic books do you think I've ever picked them up
0: Gathering <laughs> dust yeah yeah
1: they they just say it to look me slightly intellectual but it is just <laughs> never going to fucking happen. I you know
0: I got to be honest um I have read Moby Dick and um I hated it I thought it was really boring
1: well this is the thing um i don't want to see i make myself sound like a dick um i read i do read on a regular basis it's just yeah. that some people are more vicarious re- readers in as much as they can read through three or four things at the same time i can't um, do i know I'm, I, can't do it. Ha- I can't do I've it i can't do it i've got a, if a book doesn't catch me within say the first couple of you know pages chapters i'm not in you know yeah. really not yeah. in. And those older books that you know require a little bit of thought process, and you know uh, it's not the imagination; it's just I cannot connect. I don't know why. I never have been able to. Some can, some can't. It's Shakespeare. I can't read Shakespeare. because I just uh, look. I I I know what the story's about. I know what they're trying to say, but just going forty-eight words one way, you can just say, (laughs) you can just say, listen, mate. You want to sit down and have a glass of mead? You know, just do it that way, innit? You know? Whoa, we, we oddly
0: enough, this year we actually had some uh, talking about mead, we had a, a couple of warm glasses of honey mead that we brought back from Glastonbury.
1: Yeah,
0: very nice, oh. very, very nice and warm. Nice, yeah. So, anybody out there, honey mead, oof, fantastic. Oh. Anyway, um, I digress. I mean, we digress the, the, <laughs> yeah. for a
1: change. I mean, for a change. The, yeah, whoa, mean, whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler warning, we forgot, if you haven't seen the film, (laughs) fuck, what are you doing, man? It's like 36 years old. Why haven't you seen it? Well, actually, I mean,
0: the story came about in 1938, then Howard Hawks made a movie about it, and
1: then John Carpenter (laughs) made a movie about it. So to be fair,
0: you've had plenty of fucking warning.
1: Yeah, and there was the, uh, the official prequel that came out in 2011 by a, a, a Scandinavian guy whose name I can't even begin to know
0: We shan't <laughs> talk about that.
1: <laughs> um, I hated it. I hated I, it. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It it should have been something different to what it actually was. Uh, um, yeah. You know, it just didn't, it didn't work. But, you know, I, I suppose it took it on its own context without actually knowing anything about the the actual... <coughs> John, the John Carpenter film. Yeah. Then I suppose as a standard film it would have been Yeah, it would have been alright. But no, it's just <laughs> been naff compared to this, really. Yeah.
0: I mean, like I said, the original Who Goes There was um first appeared in uh, amazing, uh Outstanding Stories in nineteen thirty eight. Um I really like it. It's, it's really short, but it's a novella. Um it's um it's really, really short. It's and Sort of carpenter's version of this sort of harkens has more in common than the Howard Hawks, the thing from another world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which
0: he, which came out in 1951. 1951. What, it came yeah. out in 1951, which I kind of like. It's very much of his time, and the sort of again, it's you know, yeah. it's that
1: sort of you know, it, it's 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 the classic sci-fi of that era isn't it yeah yeah
0: yeah and it, and it's a good and it's enjoyable it's one of those things you can sort of particularly if you want to you know start introducing your kids to sci-fi and horror it's a great one to start with because you know howard hawkes is a great filmmaker
2: mm-hmm.
0: um great storyteller and a massive massive influence on john carpenter yeah,
1: um yeah amongst a lot of others i know you know yeah but, um, yeah but uh, coming back to this note this this the thing is very unique in John Carpenter's canon in as much that he didn't actually write this no he did not um, it was it wasn't an original screenplay that he wrote um he didn't do the music some people may be going yay and there's, you know and there's maybe going thank god for that you know but um
0: for me you know, this is the, this is the one drawback of the
1: film right i
0: really like John Carpenter's music i do I, I really right. like that. I like the Lost, right. uh, the Lost Themes albums, I think, are fantastic. I think in the context of his films, his music works really, really well. Um, however, he had some unknown composer come on with Somebody called Ennio
1: Morricone. Yeah, and there was the odd synth pieces within the music. Which yeah, and this I, is what
0: I didn't get. They, ha- they brought Ennio Morricone in, who has done some of the most magnificent pieces for screen. I mean, Once Upon a Time in the West, the good, the bad, you know, all the spaghetti westerns, um, they are just superb. I mean, the score for the mission is amazing. It is an amazing piece.
1: He, he did the score for, um, I'm going to, I will check on this. Before I speak out and say about it, I think as I will have to. Um, <laughs> but he's done Tarantino recently, hasn't he? he? Well, did, he did um,
0: the magnificent, Hateful Eight. The hateful Eight. I mean, he said the Magnificent Eight, yeah. They, no, the hateful, I don't know what that came from. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I don't have enough caffeine.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um no he didn't do The Magnificent Date. Um <laughs> oh, uh, go. Uh, fair play. Um <laughs> no he did. Um I've a film um I don't want to say it in case I'm wrong because 'cause I'm frequently wrong whenever we do these. Spit it and out. God. And I and I forget about um Films that he may or may not the, the people have done, and then I go back and I think, oh shit, he did that. And I forgot about that. He did this and he did that. Yeah, Um he did Exorcist two. Yes, he
0: did. He did the Exorcist two. Oh the hairy tick. <laughs> <laughs> he did.
1: He did Exorcist two. <laughs> yes, he did. He did the Exorcist. I, must, I am genuinely astonished at that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and I that, mean.
0: The Exorcist 2 is a pile of
1: shite. Oh, my God. He did The Untouchables. That is a brilliant oh, sound. I mean, experience. for a
0: score, that is just absolutely... It's, amazing. It's breathtaking. It is it's,
1: absolutely breathtaking. That's amazing. I can't believe he did The Exorcist 2. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, honestly. I cannot believe it. Yeah, that. he did the hair if, check. Yeah. If, yeah. If, on, if only there was a website that we could look on to check on such things.
0: Oh, something like, I don't know, that had maybe an I to, an I to the <sighs> M to the B. Yeah, no, he did, it. He, did, he did the score to the, her, you know, the her, X's to the heretic.
1: Um, <clears throat> I've just got to check one thing very quickly. I do apologize. This is, <laughs> it's only now it's come to... He did. Right. Thank God for that. Right. Have you ever seen the film State of Grace? Yes. With Sean Penn. Yes. Gary Oldman. Ed Harris. Gary Oldman. Fantastic film. I think it's a brilliant film. Yeah. Um, he actually did the music for that film, which yeah. even like the first time you watched it, like in the early nineties, um, you know, the credits come along it's like, any hey, want to And you're like, no, he hasn't done this new Boston. No, sorry, this New York uh, Irish gangster <laughs> film with three siblings who don't look anything alike. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Shh, we won't mention that. But, but um, yeah, he did that, like, as well. And he did, you know, he's always, he's worked, well, God, was he now, 84, Yeah, 50? yeah, yeah. You know, he's still he's going. Working, he's still going. But, um, you know, for him to do a synth, um bloody... Uh,
0: <sighs> which didn't make sense. It It's sort of, you know, and I know Carpenter is a huge, huge fan of Morricone. And, yeah. you know, but, it, you know, it it was almost like Morricone does Carpenter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if you're aware of this, going back to Tarantino, in the Hateful Eight, there's pieces of music in the Hateful Eight that were originally written for the thing they were never used. I did not know that. And they put it into the Hateful Eight.
0: See, but then again, you know, I think there are times where this sort of, where the thing does have, I think McCready does have that sort of lone gunslinger feel to him. And it does have that Western feel. Yeah, uh, as yeah, a lot of definitely. Carpenters films do, you know, a lot of his films do have that western feel. Well,
1: they've always got that um, the one main, as you said, the gunslinger. You know, the one yeah. main protagonist, that, you know, the, the hero figure. Be it, you know, good God, where do you start? Jack Burton. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: well, Jack S- Burton Skin.
1: You know, um, and- Rowdy Roddy Piper.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, Roddy Piper is superb in
1: They Live, he's absolutely superb. He he's, he's even superb man. in Hell
0: Comes man. to Frogtown.
1: <laughs> is that the one where he wears a chastity belt?
0: Yeah, that'll blow his cock off if he tries to take it off. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've never seen it. No. <laughs> it's just, anyway. it's a, I got, I've got it on Blu ray and it's absolutely immense. It is immense. You it's you bizarre. Me. No, you yeah. surprise me.
1: Now, the other um, name that we need to mention here, amongst the one sort of, produce... sorry, go on, sorry, sorry. Shoot go for on. It. I Shoot. was going to say there was there was one one producer you haven't mentioned in this. Come on then, Larry J. Franco. Ah, now where do I know that name? Larry J. Franco produced um, Batman Begins amongst ed- many other films, ah. and he also has a pivotal role in this film. Right. The Norwegian um, who was chasing the innocent little animal at the beginning? Yes. That is Larry J. Franco. Really?
2: Yeah. Do you
0: know what? I didn't, I didn't even think. You've totally shocked me now.
1: Totally, oh, totally he, shocked me. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he's actually in the film. Larry J. Franco has been involved in a shitload of films. <laughs> shit shit load of films and I don't mean the quality I mean <laughs> he's been in oh God I mean looking at his his bloody filmography now is just incredible he was a producer on Big Trouble Little China Prince of Darkness They Live Tango on Cash yes yes the, the excellent Rocketeer hugely underrated film The Rocketeer it is hugely underrated I really like The Rocketeer um uh, honorable mentions, um Mars Tax. Um Sleepy Hollow, um uh, the aforementioned um Batman's begins. And he did um 2012. <laughs> 2012, twenty twelve. Twenty twelve, twenty twelve that's, the, it, that that's man, John Cusack, with yeah, the, uh, Ronald Emmerich film.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything gets blown up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Now the other name so, that we've got to mention is Dean Cundey.
1: Yes, we we've talked about Dean Cundey before, haven't we?
0: Yeah, and I got to be honest, it, when Dean Cundey stopped, uh, when he when he worked with John Carpenter, John Carpenter's films always looked the. They they just looked. They look brilliant. They absolutely look. They look perfect. And then, yep. when he, he, you know, not that they were perfect films, but they were they're the perfect partnership because I think they complemented <laughs> each other really, really well. And then when he stopped working with them, that's where you start seeing the dip. I think in some of Carpenter's yeah. work.
1: Yeah. Well, going into the production of this film, um, we when we spoke about. Um, big Trouble before and how it looks and how fanless looks yeah they were on they were on sets at least we forget yeah this this was shot on f- what they call a frozen set isn't it where they yeah. had the cold yeah. running constantly and everything but yet um, what can I say have you seen have you seen um, have you seen the Hateful Eight the aforementioned yes H- yes yes well that is on that one sound stage isn't it that yes. massive sound stage this this was filmed on a couple of different sound, uh, uh, sound stages, but everything is contained. Yeah. And it, Despite it being um, claustrophobic, it doesn't feel or look like a film set. No, no. Uh, you know, yes, you've got your, your corridor shots, which are fantastic, by the way. There's yeah. so many good corridor shots, um, but everything just is framed perfectly. Even when you think about some, a scene like um, the dog kennel scene, Everything is shot almost from the the ground level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And looking, you know, up at the the humans then, for one of a better expression. Yeah. And, you know, how that actually looks, um, because it's shot from both angles, isn't it? Almost like both corners of the kennels. Yeah, it's Um, like a canted shot. Yeah, and then you've got it. Like you've got your sheer monstrosity sort of growing yeah. over the camera, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. But it just looks. It just looks fantastic. So even even like when you've got like a matte sequences as well, yeah, like yeah. matte paintings more. They just look brilliant.
0: Well, the exter- actually brilliant. The you know lots of the exterior shots. They, they actually built the camp. They built the yes. camp. Um, and then obviously you know they sort of you know the, the snow came in and everything else, and that's where they got lots yeah. of the shots in there. But also the yeah. Norwegian camp is actually. Yes. The same set,
1: it's yeah. exactly the same set. Yeah, they recycled it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> the same set. Yeah, now you would have two perfectly good sets built and both blown up for the sake of blowing them up, but you? Yeah. you know rather yeah. than being a little, little bit more economical, you filmed the Now, um, this is the
0: thing. This had a. This was, you know, this was Carmen's first major motion, uh, motion picture for a studio. This was his first big studio picture. Um, he yeah, fifteen million dollars to make this film. You have $15 yeah, fifteen million dollars. It. it only broke ninety million at the, the American box office.
1: Yeah, yeah. But Tina, that, um, I know it's like a four million profit, right? It was still in the charts for three weeks. That sort of shows you the different the difference, doesn't it, between Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, all right. Then let's let's use the Last Jedi as uh, an example. Last year made what is it, six hundred million in three. Yeah. Well, coming up to four weeks now in yeah. U.S. cinema. Yeah. Yes, there are more cinema chains. Yes, there are. You know this, that, and the other. But man, you know that is such a. It's mind blowing return. It's not quite *Stoutland Tales* bad, you know, which a film costs thirty-five million dollars <laughs> and brings back. <laughs> 325,000, you know, in box office returns. That's, ouch, that is, ouch, ouch, ouch. But, um, yeah, it was his first one within the system, and I I think we covered it in um, Big Trouble in China. Yeah. He he didn't make many studio films. He made Starman after this. He did. Then Big Trouble.
0: Yeah.
1: Then um, he did They Live, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. And it's only after we did, and I haven't brought this up, but it's only after he did, um, we we talked about that, I totally forgot. He did Memoirs of an Invisible Man, didn't he? He
0: did, yeah. That's, and, and he actually, he had, you know, one of the things is he said that was, you know, the fir- one of the very few films that he's just gone, I just need to do this
1: film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't a huge success either, was it? A... No, no, no. It's not bad. But, uh, it's not no, bad. It's, it, I, I, I think I've seen it only the once, and I, I you know, I thought, yeah, it's not stupid, bad. It's, you
0: know, it's okay. It's it's all right. Cherry Chase is popcorn, uh, isn't it? Yeah. But... Um, Carpenter also talks about this being part of like his apocalypse trilogy. Yeah. So you got into, um, Prince of Darkness, which we've just mentioned, yeah. which I love. I think Prince of Darkness is an absolutely brilliant film. It is a brilliant, brilliant film.
1: I have seen it. I haven't seen it for a very long time, but that, when I did watch it, I did really enjoy it. Really it's it's
0: absolutely brilliant. And the score for that, the Carmen does, is, is magnificent. And, yeah. really, um, you know, the opening of it, the opening sequence in it is fantastic. Um, yeah.
1: Because it was this, uh, it was, sorry, it was that, this, and they live, isn't it? You no, know? it's uh, it
0: was, In the Mouth of Madness.
1: Oh, I thought it was they Live. No, no, it's In the
0: Mouth of Madness. Because oh, right, all right, this, because right. basically what we've got here, and this is one of the reasons why I love this film so much, is I'm a big old H.B. Lovecraft. I re, I'm a big Lovecraft fan. And yeah. all three of these films form like the Apocalypse Trilogy and are all inspired by Lovecraft. There we are. It gives you some kind of idea of how much of a Lovecraft fan. This was actually one of my, uh, one of my Christmas presents. A, uh, oh. a Cthulhu. Oh, this as lovely. you do. Um, <laughs> you should see my desk in work. Um, <laughs> but like the you know, this is very very much. Um, it feels like a Lovecraft movie. Um, it it has that sort of you know you know at the mountain of madness feel to it. It's set in Antarctica. You've got a tentacled creature that's been there yeah. for hun- you know nearly a hundred thousand years. You know, yeah, it has yeah. that feel, and and that's one of the things that I absolutely love about this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I've always been fascinated with um, the, the the Lovecraft's um, stories, of The Call of Cthulhu, um, because it's been tried. And this, uh, the last one I remember was um, Guillermo del Toro try, was yeah, trying to make it, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, that he, was, he was actually going to try and make In the Mouth of Madness, wasn't yes. he? Oh, is it the mountains of madness? The mountains of madness, yeah, yeah, he, he yeah, Madness. And it managed to get Tom Cruise attached to it for a bit as well, which would have been absolutely insane. Well, I don't. I, I, I'm look. The mummy aside, <laughs> which I got to be honest, he he wasn't bad in it. If I'm honest, he's you know the guy's charismatic and he's got star power, but the he's also nuts. Needed... Oh, he, look. You you tell me a major artist or you know or actor musician uh, art, who hasn't got that that streak of madness through him right, and they thrive off that right, <laughs> right or wrongly, right they do they do right, but the mummy is just diabolical, oh, and it never ends. It oh. nev-
0: I mean the fact that it actually killed the dark universe before it even started yeah yeah totally uh, destroyed was, it before it even started
1: that was a strange one isn't it? but you know it's fuck I'm, it's their fault um, <laughs> but no going back uh, you know I, I would have paid good money to see Del Toro's version of that you know because yeah he, he would have been the right guy to do it you know it may make him about you never know but, I mean um, yeah
0: I mean the there's a really really good um, and you can find it on YouTube actually um, the HP Lovecraft Society did a uh, a silent movie uh, oh, yeah. called "The Call of the, the Call of Cthulhu," um, and it is as the book is, but it's all done in a in the silent style. So shot as if it would have been in the twenties. Absolutely brilliant. It's well worth going to look at it. It's oh, really? well worth it. Um, you know, the other thing as well with this, when you look at the cast for this film, you have got you know. Some really, really good, solid character actors you you know of course, you know we've got <clears throat> Kurt Russell playing Mac- McCready, who's just outstanding, I think he is absolutely <laughs> brilliant in this, and only he could pull that hat off
1: he, only he could put that hat and beard combo off <laughs> um, <laughs> when when I did my notes for this, I was writing down right. Jack Burton, scrubbed that. Sorry, Snake Pristigan, scrub that. And then I put RP McMurphy. And it was like, no, 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 it's RJ McCready. It's not yeah. RP McMurphy, you know. <laughs> he hasn't gone to the cuckoo house, has no, it? no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it's just like that automatic, you know, sort of um, association by, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, Kurt Russell, again, again, Kurt Russell, man, he's just... Uh, the man's, he's outstanding, the man's dude. He's outstanding. I watched... I watched um, uh, I, my son had no <laughs> my Captain Rob, uh, my, my, no, no, shut up, no, <laughs> swing shift, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we bought my son, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 for Christmas. We nice. like, we saw it in the cinema, nice. And um, uh, when we saw it in the cinema, I loved it, I thought it was really, really good, yeah. But um, I think Volume 2. Uh, it's not Volume One. Volume One was just so out there and such yeah. a breath of fresh air. It's unbelievable. But Volume Two, um, because it's got quite, really quite downbeat end into it, yeah. which is really unusual for a Marvel film, at least in it. You know? Yeah. And but yeah, Kurt Russell. Even when he was a bastard, you still think it's Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, it's Kurt Russell, isn't it? I
0: quite happily see him win,
1: and I, I quite happily see the villain win. Well, yeah, you know, but he was, he was, you know, despite the millions and millions of dollars in, you know, pixels put all over him, you know, he's still brilliant, he's yeah. still gory, man, yeah. he's still a yeah. presence, and he's somebody you'd, what you'd want to watch, oh, completely. you know, even in, even in Fast and the Furious 48, doesn't he, you know, it's just... <laughs>
0: Back by contractual <laughs> obligation.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, Now starring fifty pence. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's he, the guy, he's such a dude. He is such a dude. Like yeah. you know, the other um, one I love in this is Wilfred Brimley the, Blair. Wilfred Brimley's still alive. Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I I'm like a, like you perhaps like a lot of other people. Just because you don't hear about somebody, you automatically assume oh, they've passed away. Yeah, the man's still alive. Yeah, he's the man is still alive. Like, and I think no, it's not. It's not you know, it's not, it's it's not a bad thing. I think for our generation, Wilfred Brimley is always going to be known as the grandparents from Cocoon, isn't he? <laughs> you know, directed by Richie Cunningham. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, rightly or wrongly, he always is. But he's in the film blair is quite pragmatic he's the realist of it all isn't he yeah like, yeah yeah he can, he can see what is going to happen yeah um you know infected or otherwise right and you know he is the one who you know points out you know that in three years time humanity is gone yeah
0: and he knows it yeah, and the scene where he completely loses his shit is
1: oh man brilliant. It is absolutely exactly. amazing. Yeah. And especially when he starts throwing his gun because <laughs> <laughs> he's got no bullets left. Yeah. Right, my last resort now is I'm gonna throw my gun and as soon as the gun's out the way, that's it, there's a forty eight man pylon and kicking yeah. shit into it. Well the know, thing like... is,
0: Wilfred Brimley, um, he was a real life cowboy. You know, yeah. he was a cowboy, and I,
1: you know, he's a real tough, tough, hard man. You yeah, know, I'm and not doing anything weird, I've just got to sort something out.
0: <laughs> you I've know, the a fact wind,
1: I got a door open for me, minutes. now we're starting to get cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your old bones.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should see my left knee, mate. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, he was. he's like. Um, He's from Utah, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's a, the guy's a cowboy, you know, and he, you know, he's yeah. a
0: hunter and tracker. You know, he's a real tough, tough guy, and I could imagine when he's swinging that axe around, that <coughs> was, you know, and he's breaking shit. That was probably yeah. quite
1: scary. Yeah. That was quite scary. Yeah, but the thing is, when he's completely calm and serene, you can see when he's going, you're not going to have any trouble. Yeah. You're not going to have any trouble. Yeah. I assure you, there is nothing wrong with me. And they're just like, yeah, of course I. See you in a couple of days. <laughs> just chill out. Just, just calm down. And the way I'm a spell. Just, Yeah, I'm a spell, yeah, spell, <laughs> yeah.
0: And the way that he just closes the door, you are the bolt going. You are the yeah. bolt on the like, clunk.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's, that's, then you got that's, that's me.
0: TK Carter as Knowles, uh, yeah. David Clennon as Palmer. Keith David. Yeah. Keith David is brilliant in this. He's such a dick. He's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I love Keith David. He's a great, yeah, yeah. great actor. And I mean, you, you look at some of the films that Keith David has been in. Um, you know, he was in, obviously, he's been in They Live, um, Requiem yeah. for a Dream. Um, yeah. My favourite Keith David performance is Platoon.
1: Oh, I was thought you were going to say there's something about Mary no it, I like him a bit of about Mary
0: but there is some, his performance in Platoon which I and again I think Platoon is a great great film
1: and Love show Platoon, man. great and film
0: Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe absolutely immense performances absolutely and Charlie Sheen before he went all mental
1: and mental without yeah, yeah. before he went before he went not not batshit mental um, what, was, what was it? He was drinking bull's blood Is something. it tiger blood tiger, tiger blend just, what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, Charlie. Yeah, before, before he was winning. Yeah. Winning. yeah. Anyway, um, Richard yeah, Dassart.
0: He is just superb in there. Keith David is yeah, absolutely Keith superb. Yeah. you got Richard Dassart as Dr. Cooper. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, Charles uh, Holohan as Norris. Yeah. You've got Peter Maloney as... Uh, George Bennings You've got Richard Mouser As Clark You've got Donald Moffat As Gary You've got Joel Pollis As Fuchs Uh, You've got Thomas Waits As Windows
1: Yeah Norbert
0: Weiser As the Norwegian And like I said Right at the bottom Of my notes Was Larry J. Franco As a Norwegian And uncredited And who is absolutely Superb in this Is Jed
1: the Dog Jed the Dog Jed the Dog we we don't know whether Jed um, how they managed to get those special the, the makeup effects on Jed for his head to peel apart. <laughs> that was that well, was quite something, isn't it? When you watch I
0: watching some of the special features on the Blu-ray, and Jed the dog was half husky, half wolf, and just um, hoof Well, yeah, but. <laughs> One of the things, the, uh, when they were sort of working with him, they pretty much, you know, if he didn't want to do something, he wouldn't do it. He just, you know, he would just stop. And Richard Moser, who obviously plays Clark, who's the dog handler in it, spent a lot yeah. of time with him. And the, you know, Jed's owner uh, would say, well, look, there may be a come a time where he just stands there and looks at you. And it's at that point that he doesn't want to play anymore. So you're best just leaving him, and you know when you look at that wolf wandering around the place, that's a big wolf.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some especially big yeah, especially the the one when he walks into um, Clark's room and he just stood there rigid, and Clark looks over his shoulder and he just fades out. Yes, and just leaves a lingering before coming into like a snow shot. Then isn't it? You know, yeah. and it's like oh, there's, there's something happened. There's something happened. Um, I think when we we're going back to the cast now and um, you say, na- naming characters, names and whatnot. And um, when <laughs> look, let's just cut to the chase. What's the one sequence every single person who has ever seen the thing talk about the one scene that they all talk about?
0: Well, I mean, it, it's, it has to be, doesn't it? Sort of uh, Charles Hallahan's head. Peeling off, and yeah. then the legs growing for it, and then you get the immortal line of "You gotta be fucking kidding me," <laughs> as it just got, which is yeah. delivered so well. It's, yeah, pa- it's I note think pa- perfect.
1: Yeah, Palmer spoke for every single person who ever watched yeah. <laughs> it in the cinema. VHS, Laserdisc, beat the max, DVD, Blu-ray. Every single person goes. Yeah. We completely agree with you. That is one of the most fucked up things you will ever, ever see. It's, I, I, I don't know what makes it worse, though, is is it from the chest becoming a big uh, flight trap, yeah. the head <laughs> the, the head separating itself yeah, from the body, yeah. the tongue pulling it along, yeah. the eyes popping out, or it's spawning eight legs and walking away. <laughs> now... Out of those four or five images in one scene in a film, the spider legs has really got to be the... Well, it's that the it, not it, like. it is. It is. And the, the thing is, it, it, even despite that line, and you bur- perhaps you burst out laughing and you do a nervous laugh or whatever, yeah. you just still go in. I cannot have seen what I had just seen. There well, is no you know, way...
0: Rob Bottin, who is responsible for, this, for the predominance of the, the effects in this film. He was 21 when he made yeah. this. He was 21 yeah. when he made this. And he was doing things that had never been done before. Never, yeah. ever been done before. And there's a brilliant... He was talking about the scene with the chest and it opening up. And basically, they how they did that, they used a guy who was a double-arm amputee. Yes. yes. And what they, yeah. and the arms were made out of, like, some kind of gelatin stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I, I've got it written. Yeah, so, you know, it's the bit where Dr. Cooper puts his hands in, and he goes to use that, and the, it, it opens up and just chops his arms off. Well, basically, they yeah. created, like, gelatine or what have you, and they were attached on his arms. So when it closed on him, he pulled them up it looked like it had been ripped off. That's just, yeah. you know, that, is, that scene, it's, it's just so well executed. It's unreal. It's unreal. Well, th- this, is, this is the thing.
1: Where's the thing. Um, um, Cartman does a, a director, I've got no doubt, who storyboards. Yeah. And he works off his own script. So he probably story, because of the effects involved, he probably storyboards, so much of what's going to be on screen. Well, and, but, you know, to, to sort of... I, I can't imagine it was written like that in the script. Well, it, well actually, you I, know, I, Rob Bottin, uh, one of the things that he
0: did, and he talks about this, and it, it blew my mind. Uh, when uh, he got the job, uh, he, was, he, he was in John Carpenter's office, and Carpenter said to him, Right, you need to go and see on, on the lot is I can't remember the guy's name now, but he is just one of the best, um, sort of one of the best sort of storyboarders in the business. Go away yeah. and just storyboard the lot and then come back to him. So they literally did storyboard all of this stuff. And he explained to Carpenter exactly what was happening and the and then Carpenter said to him, he said, Well, do you know how you're gonna do any of this? And he went, Nope, not a clue. Didn't have any idea how... because And they were literally... Everything for this film was the first time it was being done. And there were lots of things that didn't work. Yeah. And lots of things that ended up having to be uh, redone, reshot. Um, you know, the, the scene, the chess scene itself. And when they set yeah. it on fire, what was happening was, with all the stuff and the bits pouring out of its neck, um no said the head comes comes off yeah well yeah. to get that they were sort of making this stuff with like jelly and rubber and all this different sort of and all these different chemicals and the room it, it was smelling a little bit <laughs> and the, the room is starting to fill with all this gas and then yeah. like john carpenter says well actually they've just used a flamethrower here won't we need to put a few um f- do we'll put some flames in the background yeah. Uh, so Butine goes, yeah, it's a great idea. Why not? Yeah. So, so, they're, so they're there. The head is coming off and the room's filling with, ga- with all these chemicals and you've got some guy still in the box operating everything else on, on the table. I know they're going, are yeah. you okay? And you can hear, yeah, okay. you know, obviously it's <laughs> still being gassed and everybody's getting a little bit high. They light yeah. the flame thing and it just goes, boom. The whole <laughs> thing just goes up in flames and the pro- these the prosthetics that they made they ju- there was only one of them that was it and boutine said he stood there and he said he was watching the thing and he said it's on fire and carpenter's exact <laughs> words were well put it out you idiot and they put it out. and then they had to do it all over again they had to build the whole thing from scratch and boutine took such, <laughs> such a pasting on this film by the time yeah. the film was about to wrap, he ended up with pneumonia.
1: Yeah. It made him physically ill, didn't it? It made him really, really ill. And yeah.
0: the scene that we talked about earlier in the dog kit, the, with the dogs and everything else, who was the
1: uncredited makeup maestro behind that? Um, we say, the, we share the same surname, but he has no E. Yes. S- Mr. Stan, the late Stan Winston. Yeah. Um, he actually did the dog effect, didn't he? The actual, yeah, yeah The aforementioned yeah. dog peeling phase, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty much his with the tentacles shooting out. That and, whole you know, scene is his,
0: but he didn't take any credit for it.
1: That's absolutely staggering. Staggering. Um, we, we, we're talking about um, the special effects. There's one thing that goes hand in hand with special effects in this film is the, the sounds of. Oh. Um, the The creature makes like that that long, horrible squall, I suppose, and the scream, yeah, um the sounds the dogs make um when they, it sounds like they're yelping for help, and then it goes quiet, yeah, it's quiet, and then it starts again because they are' becoming part of you know this this utter monstrosity, you know, and it's oh it, it and the, the sound is just it's, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds cold as well. The film sounds cold. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, and that, you know, it absolutely fascinates me. That the marriage between, you know, I'm not saying, you know, the modern day blockbuster, you know, the sound effects that created these days, to the, but you're talking still quite um, basic special effects, almost. You know, well, you know,
0: this is, you know, there is there is not an ounce of CGI. Anywhere no. near this film,
1: no. everything
0: is done practically, and, and it feels, it's tangible. <laughs> it is tangible, yes. and I think that's yeah. one of the things actually that really sort of audiences, yeah. I think, seeing this um, in 1982 when they've just seen this, you know, the ET with Elliot. And, um, yes. You know, it, it, it's very Spielberg, and you've got Drew Barrymore, and yeah. it's all lovely, and it's nice, and it's a happy yeah. ending, and everybody's touching, and it's all lovely. Yeah. And then yeah. suddenly, you get the thing with people just, you know, becoming these, well, just yeah. these monstrosities, this sort yeah. of
1: nightmare stuff, you know. I, th- I think the sequence at the end was stop motion, wasn't it, to an extent? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, which these days would have been CG, like everything would have been CGI, you know. But um, I think that was the that was probably the bigger, might have been the biggest sequence of all, effects yeah. wise. Um, but you know, even even now, even though you know you're looking at a matte paint, and you know you're looking at um, uh, stop motion effects. It was it was just done so perfectly and so well. Um, that is a massive testament to John Carpenter. Oh yeah, you like yeah, you can give all the kudos you want to like your effects crew and everything, but ultimately he's the one who's going right. This is what we're going to shoot. This is what it's going to look like. and This is how we're going to work it all together. Yeah. So, so it actually looks, you know, tangible and you know, and yes, those that those you're gonna you're gonna feel cold watching it. You're gonna see. You know, um, um, fires everywhere, but it's still going to be freezing cold, and it's still going to be in the
0: cold. You know, when you know they refrigerated the sets. Yeah, Um, and what it was so funny because uh, again, with uh, when on the making of, uh, Richard Moser was talking about. Well, everybody decided that you know between takes, the cafeteria was like the other side of the studio, so they all leave. They did leave these refrigerated sets walk out into, like, the L.A. sun, which would be baking hot. They'd, yeah. and But they'd yeah. keep their cagool, you know, their big duffel coats and parkas on, be sweating cobblers going over there, eat their dinner, and then come back. Yeah. And then, so yeah. they would go from hot, cold, hot, cold. And essentially, everybody on this film got ill. They all had stinking colds and flu. And again, yeah. it's sort of, you know, when you look at the film, there's sort of, there are, there are sort of there 's two overriding themes for me in this film. there is the theme about masculinity because it 's all blokes together, and what I love about the fact that you see them all together there 's none of this I hate using this word banter um there's no there 's none of this banter between any of them. none of them are best friends in fact, they all pretty much fucking hate each other
1: yeah, I suppose the whipping boy as such is um <laughs> Is what's his face? Um,
0: oh, oh, no. is it Mac or Windows?
1: No, um, um, Gary is the whipping boy because he carries his gun everywhere, isn't he? Yeah, the, yeah, don't they call somebody refer to him as the sheriff or something like that? Yeah, in part yeah, of the film? yeah, Donald
0: Moffat um, plays Gary, yeah, and yeah, they, so yeah, he's been itching to use that pop gun, yeah,
1: yeah, and then, um. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you, you are right. Masculinity is when yeah, everybody is their own man. Everybody's everybody does their own thing. Nobody does say perhaps yeah, they may play table tennis. Yeah, or they may yeah. you know sm- smoke joints. Um, cannabis is freely available in the Antarctic. Who knew? Well, who knew? Well, each to their own. You know, <laughs> but free, freely available. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, they may eat together. You know, they may play cards or whatnot together but everybody's individual and like Um, macready's
0: character he sleeps away from everybody else he's got his own place you know and his his one line is i just want to get back to my shack
1: yeah yeah i just want to go to my shack i want to get drunk and you know and all the rest like but yeah masculinity it is it is a masculine it is a masculine film isn't it yeah well i i think i know what you're gonna say the other theme is if I'm honest, but go you, you say what, you, what the other one is.
0: The other theme for me is the, about survival, is about the will to survive. And it's that sort of, you know, it's the fact that, you know, they point out that, you know, the world, you know, if this thing gets out, the world yeah. is... Everybody on the planet is dead. But actually, yeah, yeah. all they can think about is, fuck you, I want to survive. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care about you. I want to yeah. survive. You know, yeah. and it's the fact that, you know, and you know, the fact that he shoots, you know, McCready's character shoots Jed, you know, not Jed, um uh oh, what's it the, the dog handler character. Um Clark. Clark. He shoots you know, he shoots him in the face, you know, without really hesitating it. He just Yeah
1: bang yeah. pops him. And they do the post mortem blood testing and he, he yeah. wasn't infected. Yeah. yeah. Now, um I thought you were gonna say paranoia myself because I there's very few films that make you sort of question every single thing that you see in front of you. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's, that is that is another, you know, that is, that is sort of, I think yeah, it ties in but, with a lot of other things in it. But yeah, paranoia is huge in this film.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's, it's almost from the get-go, really, isn't it? It isn't like, um, there isn't like a build-up towards it that says, yes, the dog comes onto the side, yes, um, Um, you know things start strange things start happening but the thing is because it's on such closed environments because of the weather because everybody's on top of each other you know it does start building quite early 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 yeah and then once you start playing the finger pointing game then it kicks in even more so yeah and and i just hark to it but the, the this the blood test scene is so perfectly perfectly executed
0: yeah and that's the one scene that carpenter says actually that that made him say yes to doing it it's that scene
1: well that that to me says everything how good that was done in the script doesn't it yeah because the director director wants to make a film from you know a pivotal scene but don't forget this that's not just one pivotal scene in a film no no you know this that is a huge part of the film because yeah a lot of the characters do Ultimately, die in that sequence, rightly or wrongly. But it's just the build, up the, and, oh, you know,
0: and the the fact that they're all tied together,
1: and oh. you know, and the the actual blood test itself, and you know, the the sound of the blowtorch heating up the, yeah. the wire, and then it hitting the glass and the blood burning, and it's like you're okay, and then the next one is done, and it's like. You're yep. okay. And then it's like, oh, that number is getting smaller and smaller. And when the blood is actually burnt and it reacts, and it's like, oh, fucking you. <laughs> <laughs> you, You're so unprepared
0: for it. And, isn't it? You know, and, and it's like, when he's there going, get me up, get me up, get me up, get me up. And it's exactly what, you know, we, I know like we've all had moments where we'd like to think of ourselves, yeah, I could be the hero. And, yeah. you know, it came down, no, we'd all be doing exactly the same thing. we going, get me off, get me off, get me off. we'd be doing exactly why, why the you,
1: same thing. Why why would you ever think that you were going to get away safely yeah. in that situation? <laughs> you know, the, the only person who knew they were relatively safe was the next person who knew they were the same thing, yeah. To, to yeah. honest. And, um, I mean, you know, and you can just see... <laughs> it's all... Because it's, 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 it, it's Gary... Um, uh, it's the cook. Um, Knowles. Yeah. Um, and Keith David's character's on there initially as well. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. 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 Because he's one of the first ones to get tested and he comes yeah. back. Okay. Palmer. 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 And, and, and unfortunately, uh, and it just goes south rapid, like, and it's. Oh. And it just goes on and on and on, and it builds and builds and builds. And yeah, your cast gets that that little bit smaller and smaller. But the thing is, it just leads and leads and leads.
0: And it's the way in which Palmer kills Mac. It's not that he just sort of picks him up and like bites his face. He picks him up and his entire head clamps around his around him, (laughs) and he's like thrashing him around. It's just so. It's just... Oh, 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 it's just...
1: Yeah, it's, it's grim. It really, really is grim. Um, it's not Mac, he kills. It's um, Windows, isn't it?
0: Oh, Windows. Sorry. Well, sorry. My Mac shouldn't get my Mac and my Windows mixed up, should I?
1: <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's, that. Didn't write that's that one down you... either. <laughs> that's, that's the thing,
0: see? So you... Well... Hey. The other thing is... I think The other thing? The other thing with this thing.
2: <laughs> oh, fuck me. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. I think we've gone to the Rosie Perez School of Elocution here, haven't we? Really? <laughs> we need a talk bird and staff. I think a major issue that this film also had, and it's sort of it, it, it's because it's and at the time, and I, I really like, I, you know, it's something that I quite like. And it's only when you go back and you watch it time after time after time is you realize how nihilistic this film is. And, like, yeah. if you think about the period of time that it was in, you know, you've got, you know, in 19, 1982, the Cold War was, was heated up again. You yeah. had, it was the early days of Reagan. Um, you know the, the one-man armies Yeah, you'd, ha- you'd had the sort of And it was the start of all of that You'd had, you know You've had the anti-war movement of the 60s and the 70s You know, and I, it just sort of The film becomes It's almost like a leftover of that sort of That anti-establishment, the anti-hero you've got well, You know, it's it, it had that sort of feel That sort of that you know, it, it's you know, Macready's character is, is the, that that man who wants to get away from everything.
1: Well, I suppose some people might have viewed him as like a veteran of sorts, isn't it? Because well, of his yeah, deme- yeah, because but, of his demeanor, almost, isn't it? You know, and like
0: one of the um, things that he wrote down about his backstory was that he wanted Macready to be um, a Vietnam vet, um, uh, and just basically, he just wants to get away from everything. So the you know the, the furthest point that he could probably go is the Antarctic.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. and
0: that sort of like the the I think America at that point um had had enough of the bleak sort of nihilism of the 60s and of the 70s and they wanted that sort of you know Reagan promising the new you know you know the bigger better you know greed is good was coming you know the, the people wanted you know wanted yeah. to move away from that and you know, I think that's why lots of in the in the first instance, people struggled with this film. However, I think yeah. because of the because of the political climate that we're in, because of the socio economic
1: climate that we're in now,
0: it's very very relevant.
1: Well, yeah, you know, uh, I I one of my my notes I just can't believe she actually brought you know, um, it was that you know. Three years' time, humanity could be totally wiped out by this little amoeba type thing that you know <laughs> <laughs> attaches itself and replicates and replicates. Or the other thing that could be at the end of the world within three years is two spy brats who've got access to little buttons. But yes, um, yes. you know. Well, I suppose if well you, if one of those buttons those... is
0: bigger than the other one.
1: <sighs> Such a cunt! Honestly, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> <to> God. Which one <laughs> Which one? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, two two of the biggest spike brats in the world have given given access to nuclear arsenals. Oh well. Anyway, if this goes out before that, I'm glad we enjoyed our time <laughs> on this together.
0: Now here's the other thing we tend to bring up as well. is, uh, First of all, Kurt Russell wasn't the did didn't didn't want to play McCready. He didn't want to play McCready. Um he he um you know the reason why he ended up doing it was because he was hanging out with John Carpenter, and they were talking a lot. And he, John Carpenter could not get anyone to play the part. Um, right. And originally, they offered it to Nick Nolte, who turned it down. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, they t- offered it to Jeff Bridges, and he turned it down.
1: But went on to work with Starman, uh, on Starman. He did.
0: Uh, Harrison Ford and uh, Clint Eastwood were both considered. And the other one who the other actor who I really like and I think he's a really really good actor was Fred Ward, uh, was considered for it and he
1: was turned down. Fred Ward, that might, that might have worked actually. I, yeah, I, I like Fred Ward, I think he's a really good actor. Yeah, you're saying that I can the one I could I can definitely not see doing it was Harrison Ford because, um, he would have no. done Star Wars Apocalypse Now, Empire Strikes Back but Blade Runner came out at the same time so he was probably exactly right the same right time Blade yeah. Runner right yeah so he, I, he's the one I couldn't see doing it. Clint possibly maybe you know? too old I don't know I don't know because uh, he, well he would have been in his 50s then yeah but but then the, the, surely surely God Wilford Bramley was in his late 40s 50s yeah he, yeah no it's a good yes yeah, good point it's a good point you know um, I, could, I could see that I think out of all of them, though, Nick Nolte probably would be the one I would have tried and pushed for would have been really interesting year, to see I mean, him do it yeah definitely definitely because you could probably see him doing the white eyed paranoia couldn't we, you know, oh yeah German. yeah it wouldn't be much of a stretch but, for him uh, <laughs> no so, <laughs> who, who did Kurt Russell want
0: to play there? well he wasn't sure because he was interested in lots of the other characters at the time and in the end Carpenter said well look we can't get anybody else will you do it yeah. and, he, and he did he just he said yeah okay I'll do it um, I, I thought you were going to say Childs. Well, he was sort of interested in lots. And he just kept reading that, you know, he had the script there and he, he was, you know, hanging out with carpenter and they, they just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, yeah. And the other thing as well, I think, even though he'd done Pliskin, he'd, you know, done all these other... He'd, he'd, he'd moved away, hadn't he, from the the Computer War 10 issues character and the Disney movies. Um, oh. There was still that feeling that he couldn't quite get away from that and i think you know i think this kind of cemented him firmly even though i think the film was you know you know like they said the film at the time was a bit of a flop and carpenter took it incredibly personally incredibly personally um yeah but i think it's one of those things that really cemented kurt russell as the um you know as the anti-hero
1: yeah i suppose he was um but what, what film would have brought him round to being like the hero figure? Because at least we forget um, Big Trouble in China wasn't the massive success, was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But but then
0: would, in, would, in everything that he's done, all of his films, you know, his performances have been widely praised. I mean, probably with the exception of Soldier.
1: Well, I think we brought this up before. Uh, Soldier is a dreadful film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a diabolical film and considering how much money was spent on it it's terrible yeah. really really poor but again Kurt Russell is doing what he can with what he's got yeah and you know he is the the standout figure I suppose because ultimately that film is oh god it's poor I think there were sequels to that as well was I there distinct, I distinctly remember a sequel coming out for that wasn't jacek Isaacs in one of them Jason Isaac. yeah, I'm sure he was in one of those so I'm sure he could well have been because if I, if I, don't quote me, but I'm sure that first soldier film which, which came out four, ninety four ninety yeah, ninety four I'm sure that film on a budget is something like seventy to eighty million dollars yeah i mean
0: he'd done the you know he done the escape from New York came out in nineteen eighty one so that yeah. would have been the time where obviously he'd become Snake Plissken, and then he did the thing. Um, yeah. But he, in, in between, he did the Fox and the Hound for Disney.
1: <laughs> in between His them. Old pal Walt.
0: yeah. <laughs> and the other thing as well, you know, people. I I still enjoy this film. Is Backdraft. Backdraft's good,
1: yeah. Richie Cunningham again. Richie Cunningham directing. again. Yeah, um, yeah. Backdraft's good. Um, I think there is better. Kurt Russell films out there, I think executive decisions are really good.
0: Soldier came out that. in 1998. No way. Yeah, 1998, Soldier
1: came out. And Jason no, Isaacs was
0: in it. Yes, he was. Jason Isaacs was in it.
1: Hello to Jason Isaacs. Yes. Um, um, wow, you caught me off guard by there. Wow. And Jason Scott Lee. Ah no, that was the 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 new soldier, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and he's te- yeah,
1: he's, he's Dyer. He, he is. Yeah, yeah shite. He was definitely Danny Dyer. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm Danny Dyer. Uh, yeah, i right off my manner. <sighs> um. Yeah, but Kurt, man, Kurt's just ace. He's amazing. He's really touched
0: on this earlier. And it's something that I sort of you know I do love about this. It, it, we said about some of these the the, fil- the lines in this film, and one <laughs> of my favourite line is at the end where Kurt Russell has the stick of dynamite, <laughs> and yeah. the thing like <laughs> roars at him and screams, and he goes, "Yeah, fuck
1: you too!" and throws the <laughs> throws the dynamite <laughs> in and That's such yeah. a brilliant line. Yeah. You know, it's, it's another, it's another great one. Uh, it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, of course, you've got you know Gary, who's tied, and you know we 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 quote, referenced it right at the beginning. Uh, and he's tight yeah. to the chair. He goes, "I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when do you find the time? I'd rather not spend the rest of the winter
1: tied to this fucking couch." Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just it's, it's good, isn't it? You know, it it falls into uh, that great thing that we do with the, the one-liners, isn't it? Yeah. It really does. It yeah. really, really does. And um,
0: this film, oddly enough, but a bizarre trivia, was banned in Finland. Banned in Finland? It was banned in Finland. Yeah. You know, in the bizarre mental world of the video nasties of the 80s... Yeah. <laughs> It, this film was completely untouched and it got banned in Finland.
1: It's going to be something to do with snow, surely. I,
0: I don't know. I did too much snow. I don't know. You know, Too much blood in the snow. I have no idea, but it was banned in Finland.
1: I think we need to address um, the second most talked about scene in this film. Um, mainly because it comes to the end. And yes, we talked about the... Um, you the. You've got to be fucking kidding me, soon yeah. um, <laughs> I think we. I think we really need to discuss the final scene. Yes. If there's one person alive, the the, um, the the station has been obliterated by fire and gas explosions, and you know spaceships being built in record times. And, <laughs> <laughs> He's a clever bugger. He's a clear. You can dig that man. That yeah. alien can dig fairly. Yeah. Um, You know when Macready's the only one left that he takes solace in a shed of sorts. You know and sits down, only to be met by another character. Yeah. Childs, and they sit down, have an exchange back and forth, and there's this long conspiracy theory about. You can see the breath. From McCready coming out because yeah. he's lit, yeah, but you don't see it from Childs. Oh, so now is Childs the thing? McCready, I think general consensus is he's not infected, no, no, but is Childs, and you know, that is that has remained an said for well, for as long as, isn't it, basically. And I um,
0: like the fact that it is enigmatic. I yes. love that. I, and I don't yeah. think... I think if it was answered, uh, and I think if somebody turned around and said, oh, well, no, he's not, or yes, he is, yeah. I think it just it, it takes away... And again, it, go, it goes right back to that I, that, that nihilism, because you've, yeah. e. you've got Cutchie E.T., you've got Elliot and all that, yeah. and then you've got... And,
1: You've oh. got Mr. Angry Amoeba then. I mean, yeah, you know, and it's like, like, oh, man. Yeah.
0: Because oh, the thing is, if Keith David's character is the thing yeah. and they just freeze, MacReady dies, alive. he's still alive. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just... It's...
1: And let's be honest, we, 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 as we, we've learned from countless films, that if alien technology or alien species freeze for a long time, they remarkably survive. Well, of course. Of course, you know there's countless films out there, you know, that have brought up these matters previously, and this one just adds to that canon. You know, just reassuring everybody that should there be an alien buried somewhere, Wales, Finland, <laughs> wherever, <laughs> just know that in the next five thousand years it will come back to life eventually. Well, of course, and have a mobile fo- and it'll have a mobile phone fully charged without even plugging it in. Well,
0: well, I you, you know, know. when I had um, I got got my new. Uh, my new iPhone. Um, and oh, I said, God,
1: I, I, had, I had mine yesterday. Yeah, I said,
0: <laughs> I said, oh, does it, uh, does it come with a wall? And the person was like, on the phone, going, what, what do you mean a wall? Well, I said, it spends half his bastard time being plugged into it. So should, d- d- does it come with a wall? Whee! Whee! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> People on phones. Yeah. They, they, it's like I had a phone call the other day. Somebody telling me I'd been in an accident.
1: Oh, I, I've, I've had plenty of them. And I do you them. Know, every time I answer, go on. My, every time every time I answer, I go, "Oh no, I hope I'm alright." Yeah, and I keep asking, "Am I okay?" Oh God! Yeah, oh no! Yeah, the
0: one time yeah. I managed to pretend fake cry for about five minutes. <laughs> my wife thought I had gone completely mental. I was on the phone going, "Oh God, no!"
1: I had. Um, I had one uh, ring my house phone going um, I'm ringing regarding your Mac computer and I went oh, alright <laughs> okay can you go and switch your Mac computer on and I said oh okay yeah so I, I, I thought oh, I'm <laughs> fucking you now you know <laughs> and um, I switched my computer on I said he said what can you see you know, I shouldn't put an accent on <laughs> what can you see <laughs> What can you see? And I said, well, I can see the Windows logo and I can see my dog (laughs) Poochie. All right, press the Mac button. And I said, yes, I pressed the Windows button. And this just went on for 10 minutes. And all I talked about was the Windows button and Poochie the dog that came up on the screen. (coughs) <coughs> oh God. And, oh. Uh, and just the sheer idiocy of this person on the other line just did not comprehend that no, no. A piss rotten. <laughs>
0: but uh, anyway, no, we
1: dig- we, digress. we digress.
0: No, this digress. is the other piece of trivia that I absolutely love in this. Is that the one scene where um McCready throws the dynamite. Yeah. That was actually real dynamite and Kurt Russell yeah it was real dynamite and Kurt Russell got it wrong and nearly ended up blowing everybody up <laughs> and he threw it it hit something and came back so th- that that you know that is an amazing you know that is a, I, can, I can imagine that moment of Kurt Russell throwing the dynamite and it coming back yeah
1: yeah uh, it it wouldn't work like in a Pink Panther film, and say you know like a, boom, a boom. No, it, boom, I got it, boom. it wouldn't work like that. Would it? But um, <laughs> i just gonna say too, you now we talked about that final scene. Yeah. Um, did you know that they shot? Um, there's an alternative uh, ending. Yes. But there, there's also a happy ending was shot, but it has never ever been released.
0: And rightly so.
1: It's never been released because it basically has McCready getting on um, a rescue helicopter, apparently, and he actually does the blood test in front of them, and his blood is normal, so they don't know what it it means, but basically the helicopter flies away. That was shot pretty much to the the insistence of the studio because they said, look, we know where the film ends, we know where we want it to end, can you shoot this? We've got X amount of hours to do it. We'll, we'll shoot it, see what it looks like. And John Carpenter went, yep, yeah, okay, fine. No worries. They'll do it. And they shot it. But it's never, ever surfaced. It's never been seen.
0: And rightly so. Completely. the set. It, it would have just, just killed the film. It would have just killed it. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it, it would never work like Arnie flying away in a helicopter. does. What, after surviving a nuclear like blast? A nuclear <laughs> exactly. It would never work. It would never work it would never work
0: so before we wrap this bad boy up is there anything that you can you know in your final thoughts that you could think of that we haven't covered
1: Um, no I think I've got to be honest I think we've got pretty much everything covered uh, don't forget the film is quite short as well isn't it it's, it's only it's 109 19... minutes oh they were it's 109 minutes. minutes yeah you know which is n- nothing really is it
0: and it flies um, it flies <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's... um, There's nothing more you really can say about it, is it? It's no, no. Um, it's been... <laughs> it's been dissected enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Um, but no, it's... Um, no, it's, it's... It's just fabulous, fabulous, fabulous It's a fabulous superb film. film. It is a superb film. It really film. is. It really, really is. So,
0: where would you come in on a score for this bad boy?
1: Um... I haven't done one of these yet, so it's going to be the first. It is a 10 out of 10 film. Woo! 10 out of 10.
0: Get it in is there. Get it in is there. A,
1: it is a 10 out of 10 film, hands down. No back answers. No touching the floor. It is... <laughs> <laughs> it no takey seas. No takey seas. No two punches, you know. Uh, no, It's... Uh, <laughs> It's a bona fide, hands down classic. It genuinely is. Everything is just sublime about yeah. it. And, cocking back to, to Predator, we brought this up before. Yes. The opening sequence. Yes.
0: The opening
1: sequence to Predator and the opening sequence to The Thing. The Thing came out in 1982. Predator came out in 1987. 87, yeah. 87 there's an awful lot of similarity between
0: Oh, massively ones. so.
1: Massively or, so. Man. I know it. I know it. It's polar opposites when they actually get to planet Earth. Wouldn't be, they wouldn't be in a Mexican jungle. <laughs> but you've still got the space outside and you've still got that opening sequence.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, the other link as well, which you left out here, there's a link yeah. between the thing and the incredible documentary series, Ancient Aliens.
1: Well... Considering I've never heard of the incredible program, incredible aliens. You go ahead, Cora. You've never seen ancient aliens? Fuck no! Oh my god! You've—it's the most bonkers
0: program. You've, it's on the History Channel. It is that's insane. Probably,
1: probably—that's probably why I haven't watched.
0: Basically, you just get a group of these. You just get a group of these mentalists who think that everything you know is aliens. So every ancient civilization, the Maya, and all this type of thing. Um, we're aliens. All, every, we're here because of aliens. And their answer to everything is aliens. And there's one guy on there, a bloke called Eric Von Danner. Um, he's a Swiss. I think he's Swiss. Yeah, he's Swiss. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Chariot of the Gods.
1: And... It's not a Led Zeppelin documentary.
0: No, no, no. no. <laughs> no. Um, Palmer references, references Chariots of the Gods as well. And talks about ancient aliens coming down and take, you know running the show. All oh, right, right. But I digress. And for me, the thing is, it's a ten as well.
1: It's got to be man. It is, be. it is a ten. It is a ten. If if we were sat next to each other tied to this couch now, I'd high five you. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> we've we've actually totally agreed. Yes, unbelievably. First, uh, yeah, we we're, 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 we're pretty much bang on. Oh, we probably are. Yeah, we are. Definitely, definitely not. It's, uh, good. it's good to see great minds thinking like well, that. it is honest, indeed.
0: Everybody so, probably see the same
1: thing, isn't it? So, yes, right.
0: yes, right. So you are going to join me now for What the Wookiee Watched. And we are going to be talking, just for this part, because I'm not going to inflict the rest of it on you, um, <laughs> is we are talking The Last Jedi. Now, we're going to try and be, you know, because it's brand new it's not like everything else where we say look it's been out for 20 years it's your own fucking fault Um, yes we're talking The Last Jedi and you know spoiler
1: right let's get it out there now haven't seen it and you're a fan of Star Wars stop listening now (laughs) stop listening now don't listen we're gonna talk spoilers we're gonna talk things that happen if you haven't seen it stop listening now go and watch it then come back Let's get it out the way now, because this is so this is the most recent film that we have done out <laughs> <laughs> <After> of
0: doing this how <laughs> many yeah. times,
1: you know. I mean, I'm gonna uh,
0: try and not to give away too much, but no. we but we may. So you've been
1: warned. Yes, so, we have.
0: On a scale of you know, one being the Phantom Menace, yeah. uh ten being Empire. Yeah where are you obviously don't give scores in this one but where where do you where did this leave you feeling warm and fuzzy or were you wanting more
1: um it left me wanting more in the sense i want to watch it again because i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah i really did admire what was done with the canon yes there are flaws in it. Yes. There's one sequence entirely I would have trimmed 10 minutes off <laughs> and cut out the horse racing completely.
0: Yeah. Um, I did get the feeling that sort of... I don't know. It was almost like they'd sort of... they'd ma- On The Force Awakens, they'd managed to keep Uncle George away. And then <laughs> suddenly <laughs> he's like... He's crept in somewhere. And before you know it, you've yeah. got like some... There's like some yeah. furry stuff,
1: uh, yeah. and
0: then there's some horses, yeah. and then I, there's I will, some children badly acting.
1: Yeah, but that entire sequence um, is, whilst not all of it is necessary, it's necessary for very significant plot points, albeit that the character is building up to is ultimately a fucking waste of space (laughs) 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 i'm I'm not going to mention who um but it does open things up a little bit into a wider universe which i i personally thought was great um i did like to see how what we think we know about the jedis from um seven films previous yeah yeah was well hang on we can do this which I thought was a terrific, a massive step forward personally.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I, I really did think that. Um, I thought Adam Driver was absolutely brilliant in it. I genuinely think he's gone on leaps and bounds. He's gonna, he's gonna overtake Darth Vader. He will overtake Darth. He is Vader.
0: a really, really good
1: villain. He is a really, he's really good so villain. So brilliantly written and and um, and acted. Um, one, one thing I got issue with as much as I love The Force Awakens I think Ryan Johnson had done the right thing and what he did other people are totally going to disagree but I think what he's done and changed what we think we know was fantastic going back to J.J. Abrams I think is a little bit of a backward step um I, I, not that he's a bad director, fucking far from it, far from it. Yeah, I just think that Ryan Ryan Johnson has given you the best looking Star Wars film. I don't care what you say; it looks phenomenal. The
0: you know the sequences at the end on the you know the is, is this snow or is it salt?
1: I think it's salt. Um, crate, the yeah. planet is called. Isn't it, it just
0: looks. Beautiful. It it, it is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful.
1: Look. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's one sequence. Um, there's a couple of sequences that just look amazing. There's um, where Ray almost confronts herself. That yes. sequence. Yeah. I thought that looked amazing. There's a sequence with two spaceships crashing crash crash into each other. Yeah. That looked uh, the way it's shot just looks amazing. Um, if I was to score it now, I've only seen after only seen it once. I'd give it a 7 out of 10. Watching it again, I would probably score it higher. I know I probably would sc- score it higher.
0: Do you know, I after I've watched the first time, because I came up to the first time sort of going, oh, okay, um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, hmm. I, re- You know, I think there were some choices in it that I wouldn't have made. Um, you know, here I am Monday morning quarterbacking, but um, I wouldn't, you know... I think, like you said, the horse racing stuff. Benicio del Toro's character that that was sort of re, that was really
1: underdeveloped. Well, that's the one I wasn't going to bring up, but seeing as you have, yeah, <laughs> I don't care. It's there? No, yeah, um, yeah. I thought the introduction of a major character was superbly done, superbly done. Yes. In as much that when the audience I saw it with, there was an audible gasp yes. when they realised. Yes. No, I, yeah. I thought that was done. I don't necessarily agree with what happened in that scene, no. but the con- you know it was it was it was a reminder all the way throughout the film. Forget what you know, yeah. Look forward. Don't worry about what's happened in the past. Now, and gone. this
0: this kind of felt like a merging of Empire and Return of the Jedi. Um, it had
1: yeah,
0: it had I, hints I, I, it had hints of the darkness that Empire has. It's yeah. Not as well executed yeah. as Empire, I don't think. No. Um, no. It had the sort of the epic, uh, you know, particularly that sort of the battle, you know, the final the final battle. I thought that was just, you know, superb. It had yeah. the t- you know the the, the throne room uh, sequence um I thought was really really good. It lacked the I thought that was really really good. I did I do think that it sort of I don't know possibly because I think the the throne room sequence in Return of the Jedi is so emotional and it's yeah. got the big John Williams score and yeah. it, it, it's the culmination yeah. of everything but yeah. it did and have that kind of feel to it, it and did. I think yeah, Adam Driver did. played it so well
1: yeah yeah and at like, least we forget during that sequence there's revelations of sort isn't there you know yeah. without going into any detail some people felt, came a little way short thought they were a little bit short changed by it I personally didn't I think it's just part of a bigger picture yeah um the quest about questions that will be answered um i thought <laughs> this is going to sound crazy you know the first 15 minutes with mark hamill just totally threw you because what happens with luke skywalker in those first 15 minutes yeah you're not prepared for no um, no no there's one I, I wouldn't say it but you know i'll just do this right yeah yeah <laughs> right yeah. and there's the um there's a sequence with a with a large sea lion type creature sat yeah. rock yeah um this is the funniest star wars film as well by the way but by, by a mile the funniest one um i think luke's story arc overall was fantastically done i me personally yeah. i thought it yeah, yeah it was, some people i really annoyed that I, um i can see one million percent by however I think it was done correctly and rightly. Um but my my only reservation about the next film is not JJ J. Abrams, is how they're going to incorporate Princess leia into the story. I've got a theory of what they're gonna do. I think it's gonna be a reveal in the crawl to say something. Yeah, I think they'll have to. I, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to they're no, do No, they're going to gonna have to. They've, apparently, it's been said already this, they're not going to go Rogue One and have yeah. a digitised character um, because they still freak me out. <laughs> they still well, look it, so weird. You know
0: what that is, don't you? Do you know what that's called? With a digitised character. It's called the Uncanny Valley. And it's, <laughs> it is. It's called, it's called the Uncanny Valley. And it's um, basically where our brain is unable to, to, ex, to fully accept something that looks so much like us, but isn't quite yeah. like us. So like you get, right. the, it's when you look at like Polar Express, Polar Express yeah. is stunning to look at. However, when you look at the eyes of those, the, they're not quite, and it, it's, it's off-putting and there's something in our DNA that makes us go, ooh.
1: Yeah, it's because our eyes move so quickly and the movements make us look human with those. I don't think it's the technology. Whilst it looks um, facially perfect, yeah. fac, facially perfect um, because of the movement of the eyes can't be controlled yeah. by a computer program trying to do 48 million things at the same time, um, I think that's what it gives it its dead-eyed effect then. Yeah, um, yeah. But I liked what they were doing with Princess Leia in this, if I'm honest. I really, really did. Um, yeah. And knowing that that's not going to be developed any further now is, is, is quite... I wouldn't say depression. It's, it's, it's disappointing, you know, when it's a real shame it's not going to be there. Yeah, um, yeah. But overall, I think the, the, the decision to give Brian Johnson his own trilogy separate, I think, is a masterstroke. Because if he turns in anything that looks halfway as good as this and engaging as this... Because don't forget, this is a fucking popcorn movie at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, oh, completely. And that's the other thing as well. People need to sort of...
0: Remember, is actually this is a film that's made for a mass audience, yeah, predominantly a younger audience. You know, this not you know Star Wars and the other films. We loved them when we watched them when we were younger. Yeah, and you know, the part of us still loves these films. We keep going back to it and go back to it. But these are popular films. These, you know, mass. This is a film to be enjoyed by the masses, and so they, you know, that's not to say that there should be weak storytelling or anything else. And equally, there shouldn't be, you know, two and a half hours of um, intergalactic banking seminars.
1: But no, you know, it's we've we've had that, we've had that, (laughs) we've done that. Yeah, you know, we're just waiting for the difficult teenage years, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, And and then the final. No. Yeah, the Frankenstein part. No. <laughs> what was really? Uh, yeah, it's uh, sorry, sorry, mate. I, I, I was going to say something. There,
0: but... For me, is being a big old, you know, Batman nerd as well is, and being a big fan of the Batman animated uh, films, and particularly the, the the recent release of the the Killing Joke, is that obviously Mark Hamill is the voice of the Joker.
1: Yeah. And. There were times as, where I as he as he is in the Arkham Asylum games as well, yeah, which yeah, are yeah. amazing and they're genuinely brilliant. And there
0: are times where I could you, know, you could hear the Joker in his voice. <laughs> yeah. You could hear that in his voice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I thought he was terrific. I really, really did. Yeah, and, and what... I think I, Another the part he turns up at the end without say giving anything away. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was so brilliantly done, so yes. brilliantly done because. Second time around, you'll probably I, I gotta be honest, there was a lot of things I noticed the first time I saw it when I thought about it more, and I said because my wife we took the kid, we took the kids to see it as well. Yeah. And it's when as we were coming back home, we were talking, I said, Oh, did you notice this? Did you notice that? And it's people there's people I know have seen it say two two times now or whatever. Yeah. And they've gone, Oh, that sequence, did you notice? And I was like, Well, I did notice it the first time I saw it, but then I'm probably gonna notice even more so from the next time that I do see it. Yeah. Well
0: Do you know what? And this is the bit that actually made, did kind of make me think a little bit. Was Mark Hamill originally said, you know, when he when he got given the script that, and I got the quote here. He told Ryan Johnson, "I pretty much fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made for this character." When he's talking about Luke Skywalker. Uh, Now, having said that and gotten it off my chest, my job is to now take what you've created and do my best to realize your vision. And I think he did that. I think he did that really, really well.
1: He's come out since now saying he got it right.
0: Oh yeah, and, Ryan, and you know, Ryan Johnson, answer, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and right. I think it's such a, a bold move, you know, to, to do what it is done to certain characters in this film. Um, You know, people may go with the Force Awakens. Oh, I can't believe they did this. You know, and I can't believe they did that. Well, I think this this probably pushes that envelope further again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it does. Um, I would like to see I, a little bit more John Boyega. Uh, yeah. I and mean, He was such a pivotal part of The Force Awakens, wasn't he? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he was there to do it. I, 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 this is, the, again, the, part, the, the, the negative part. Um, he's such a good character and a, such a good, good, good presence. He's um, such a good actor. He is such yeah, a good yeah. actor. I, I was... I was really impressed with Kelly Milly Tran as well. To be honest, I thought she was giving, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. A, a nice to see, you know, a new character with a bit of spunk in them for one of a better yeah. word, like you know, a bit, you know, a bit of well, you know, I know my limitations, but I'm going to do this, you know. Yeah. And I thought she was terrific. Um, I thought Laura Dern was brilliant. Yes, I thought Laura Dern was really, really good. But um, again, the one thing that bugs me is that Carrie Fisher isn't going to be there, and. I liked the way her story was going. I Just it ain't gonna happen. And I think it's gonna be a crying shame. Ultimately, I really do. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens. It really will. Yeah, it really will. Now, but, the other um, thing,
0: I, the other character I'd like would have liked to see more of is Phantasma. Phasma.
1: Phasma. 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 Sorry, the Captain Phasma. Yeah, like to see more. Yeah, I. I see Captain Phasma almost like Darth Maul when the original the. Um, the prequels came out everything was centred around the image of Darth Maul wasn't it yeah Captain, yeah. Captain Phasma is such a striking image when you first saw that head to toe stormtrooper six foot six yeah it who's made, was who's made out of you know chrome plate then as a visual you know aid you're not going to get better than that are you let's be honest no no, no and no. yeah whilst, whilst there was uh, an engaging sequence you know ultimately involving that character yeah um, you would he would like to have seen more? I, I I gotta be honest. I thought Donald Gleeson was brilliant. He's giving yes. such good sneer, isn't he? He's giving yes. it. In, I'm a, I'm a bad guy, and I'm gonna fucking show you I'm a bad guy as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I, I I know a lot of people like to list like you know their top, you know from top to bottom, you know. Like you said, Phantom Menace being one to say Empire Strikes <laughs> Strike Back being ten. Um, as it stands for me personally, I couldn't put la- I couldn't put the last Jedi in um, in a particular place because
0: not at the moment, not at the moment,
1: not at the moment. I'm I'm hugely fond of the Force Awakens. I think the Force I think I've, Force Awakens is probably third in out of say Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, Force Awakens. I'd probably go Rogue One last uh Rogue One, Return of the Jedi, Revenge the Sith, and then b- between the other two, then a yeah. for last. I mean,
0: I love Rogue One. I think Rogue One is awesome. R- Rogue One
1: is good. Is is re- is really, really, really good in the last hour. I think it struggles a little bit in its build-up because there's so much going on. They, they try go yeah. yeah, They're yeah, trying to go here and everywhere. They're trying to get resolve this but that last hour of just pure Star Wars as I call it. Yeah. It's just so exhilarating and yeah. thrilling and it looks amazing. Whereas Force Awakens, yeah, you could argue it's a new hope recycled, but then when it's done as well as that, who fucking cares, isn't it?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So But um where are we like you said, is it too late to put this in I think it's too early, not too late, I think it's too early to put it in in any kind of bracket. I think we need to see what the other films come out and yeah. where yeah. where it goes.
1: And I know, if you read online, you know, some critics and others, they go in, oh, it's the third best one, you know, already. And it's like, well, no, it's not. No, Because we've had no. 14 years, 40 years of some of these. Like, so it's not. Um, I'm desperate to see it again. I'm hoping to go and see it soon rather later because I really, really do need to assess it again. I, I, I know some real massive Star Wars fans who hated it with a fucking passion. Yeah,
0: yeah. It. And then I, I think they, that, was, that was always going to happen.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I know some people who, who didn't enjoy The Force Awakens, but yet love Rogue One. And I think the reason they love Rogue One is because it harks back to that original generation. Doesn't yeah,
0: it? yeah, completely,
1: completely. Whereas, the, where you know, a new generation of people going, well, actually, I prefer Kylo Ren to Darth Vader.
0: Yeah, well, and that's because that's their generation's
1: Darth. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think it's filmmaking, it's, you, you can't, can't get better because it's just so solid. It's so brilliantly made. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and, apart from like,
0: and like I said, for me, my only problem was the moments where they did let sort of Uncle George kind of slip in a little bit.
1: Yeah, but as I said, those sequences are there because they provide a platform for certain things. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, even if it's the final shot of that happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you clever bastard! I won't tell yes. you what's gone on over there, but you clever bastard!
2: I've got to be honest; it's not going to
0: get any better than that. We're going to finish on that one, you clever shitbag I'm well impressed
2: Right And on that
0: note Ladies and gentlemen We're
1: going to leave it at that
2: You clever shit
1: Uh, All I'll say is Use the force here Use the force It's been emotional (laughs) Cheers buddy ta
0: Take care man (laughs) (laughs) Didn't think of what I had to do (laughs) As always, I want to say thank you to Mr. Leighton Winston for being on. Always a pleasure, never a chore, and I'm sure he'll be back very, very soon. So, on our final segment for What the wookie Watched, we're looking at 1974's The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. Let's check out the trailer.
2: Anyone about?
0: My fault, Sergeant. If Christ and saints are out of fashion, Satan's all the rage these days. Listen, boy, you keep getting on my nerves, and I'm going to give you another kind of house to look after—one with lots of bars in the windows. We better reinforce that door. Take the lamp. I can just imagine the sergeant's face when he finds out.
2: Craig, can you hear me? Sergeant, they're dead people trying
0: to kill me! uh, Ah! Message for you.
1: Look, I know it sounds silly, but is it possible? I mean, could a film fail to catch an image for any reason? Well, a ghost, maybe.
0: Oh, um, you can't beat a bit of jazz flute, can you? In a in a in a trailer. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I got the giggles now. Um, that was the trailer for 1974's *The Living Dead* at the Manchester Morgue, directed by Jorge Grau, uh, written by Sandro Conti and Marcello Coscia. Uh, sorry if I've absolutely butchered those names. Um, it stars Christina Galbo. Uh, Ray Lovelock and Arthur Kennedy and um, I really like this film. Um, it's one of those films that's been on my list for a long long time to see and um, I've only recently been able to get around to watch it. Uh, is it a bit slow at times? Yes. Um, it's a really interesting take on the uh, on the zombie outbreak um, obviously being a Spanish-Italian production set in the Peak District As you do. Uh, Manchester doesn't actually appear in the film at all. There is a van uh, that says Manchester Morgue on it, but that's the closest I think it gets. Um, The ADR on this is all over the place. Um, I think it can be a little bit slow at times. Um, It's sort of um, the Spanish Italian answer to uh, uh, Romero's Night of the Living Dead um does it is it in the same league as zombie flesh eaters or um the beyond or the blind dead trilogy or any of those wonderful sort of euro horror zombie movies um probably not but uh when this gets going it really does get going and um i really like it it's a really really good one and it's well worth checking out it is well worth checking out so for me Ah, I'm probably going to come in for this one, but a 6 out of 10. Uh, If you're a zombie fan, it's a must-see. If you're just, you know, your average horror fan, you know, rent it. Uh, But if you're a completist for Euro horror, uh, it's a must-own. So for me, it's a 6 out of 10. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of our first episode for 2018. As always, I would like to thank Everybody who has tweeted, uh, retweeted, uh, got involved with the show on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. What would be really, really helpful that to help us find uh, some more viewers and help spread the word of the Undead Wookiee is if you guys could leave us some five-star reviews on iTunes and on SoundCloud. That would be really, really appreciated. Um... I would also like to thank, as always, um, our gothy gal pals, CL Raven. Get yourselves over to their Etsy store and buy some of their co-gear. Cool um, I was on their uh, radio show, which you can listen to on uh, every Friday night on Vitalize. Uh, that's an online uh, radio station and you can find them on their show called The Graveyard Shift It's well they're always entertaining, get yourselves on there and they're going to be coming on very soon doing a Tucker and Dale episode so that'll be really cool Um, I want to give a big shout out to my man Blake at Spivey Point on Twitter Uh, as always I want to thank um everybody i've already said you know for tweeting and retweeting um i want to say hello to everybody over at retro movie geek to peter daryl and joel great show guys get yourselves over there and listen to that uh, again, another horror podcast you want to listen to is the Horror Movie Podcast. It is a superb, superb show. you got Jay of the Dead, you got uh, Dr. Shock, Dave Becker, and, of course, you got Wolfman Josh over there. Um, get yourselves over as well to listen to uh, Land of the Creeps, Gregor Mortis' great, great show. Get yourselves uh, listening to that one. If you're looking for a blog to, f- to have a good read of, get yourselves over to my man Paul's, uh, Paul Hayden's uh, Schlock Horror. Uh, it's great, great, great uh, blog. Uh, of course, there's The Retro uh, Cinema uh, with Gidget and Angry Man, and uh, I think Gidget will probably be coming on at some point this year, and we're going to be talking Fright Night. I'm going to be over on their show discussing uh, Maximum Overdrive, so that'll be really, really cool. Guys, there are plenty of great, great podcasts out there um so make sure that you're listening keeping horror alive keeping cinema alive keeping the discussion going Uh, and of course i how remiss of me would it be to say i'd say a big hi to of uh, (coughs) sorry i'm really tired now say a big hi to al and jeff over at Cadavercast, the great father and son team and of course al does our outro for the show so guys thank you all for listening. I hope you've had a fantastic 2017 and 2018 is going to be a much bigger brighter, better year for everyone so um, in the immortal words of Count Ducula, good night out there whatever you are
2: This is our farm cadavercast. You've been listening to the undead rookie. The bat.